Welcome to Crossways Podcast, a podcast to talk about how to walk in the way of the cross. I'm Jonathan, this is Matthew, and we are so excited to have you tuning in to our podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ninth Avenue for Christ in the ministry of the network of podcasts. Man, Matthew, uh, it, it feels good to be back. Uh, we've been, and those of you who are watching, we're, we're glad you're here. Uh, we've had holidays, we've had exposures, we've had uh, exposure youth camp, we've had COVID. Exposure COVID camp. Yeah, yeah exposure COVID camp, uh, COVID. Uh, it's been uh, an interesting month of Thursdays. So I was, I my last day at work was December 17th. I took two weeks off <laughs> for, because the kids were out of school and, and I always like to take two weeks off of vacation so that I could be at home with the kids during that time. And then we came back and our secretary had tested positive for COVID. So we were out that week. And then I came back to work on a Tuesday. And and, and while that was happening, I was at exposure. Yeah, you were so at exposure. So I was at exposure. You, Don't tell anybody. No. Came, <laughs> came back on a Tuesday the next week. Yep. And tested positive on Wednesday morning. It was out for like another 10 days. So over oh, over a 30-day period, I was in the office maybe twice, three times. Yeah. So when when we were together that Sunday, that Monday night with our, with our young adults, then Tuesday in the office, and you tested positive Wednesday. I mean, you tested positive on and, Thursday yeah, so or then, Friday. And then, well, it was Saturday. Okay. It was, and uh, so then I was good. I had no symptoms. Then... I believe it was Saturday I tested positive. So then my quarantine then restarted over. Then I had, and then on Wednesday, when, whenever a quarantine was ending for me, that's when Catherine then tested positive. So then Kaysen's quarantine started, over. started all over again. So then I basically stayed home. And so it's been, same likewise, it was awful. And then, you know, especially with the baby, you can't really, there wasn't much I could get done. When he went to sleep, I got a, you know, I got some calendars planned. I got some activities on the calendar. I worked on a, on a lesson, but. Well, and I hate that. I hate that we've all been sick in the office, but there's been a part of me that's been kind of relieved that we've yes. all kind of gotten over that hump and now we can just work and, and be here. And, Absolutely. But it has, it's been, oh man, it's been crazy. And I know. Blair and I were just talking about this. Everybody is just kind of in this fog right now of you're either sick, getting over being sick, or afraid you're going to get sick. Yes. And it's just, we, we've just kind of noticed that everybody's kind of on edge. Everybody's kind of, you know, a little tense right now. And, you know, just this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But man, right now is a time... <laughs> About just showing people grace, just just loving people, and just being patient with people and understanding with people, and that's kind of hard to do sometimes. But man, that's what we need right now. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we have Bruce here watching with us, especially our teachers. Yes, I saw Blair shared a, a cool TikTok about this teacher talking about some stuff, but our teachers are stressed. Oh yeah, because not only are they having to deal with constant, depending on where you live. Constantly changing mandates, constantly changing requirements. Schedules. Schedules are changing. At, at any given moment, it's tomorrow's virtual. Yeah. And you still have to instruct these kids. 
and then parents are stressed because at any moment if they go virtual, what do they do? Yeah. They have work. They can't just some of these kids can't be left alone because of their age. And or you know, maybe you do have a high schooler but then you have five other kids. Well, that's a lot to leave by themselves, fitting yeah. for themselves. And we, you know, we're we're fortunate, you know, as a couple that that Blair stays at home and uh, but I mean, she's got, you know, one kid's got a virtual class at nine and then at 10 and then at one. And then it's, I mean, it's just, it's all day trying to get all this together. And, and, and our, and our healthcare professionals, yes. I mean, you know, we've got a couple of those that go to church with us. I mean, one of them came in, our nurse practitioner here at church came into class last night. And I mean, you could just see exhaustion on her face and there's, they're trying to help people and help people get well and. They're understaffed. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, my mom sent me a message. Uh, my sister's a labor and delivery nurse in the St. Louis area. And they're so understaffed right now that she got called in for a shift of house cleaning. Oh, goodness. I mean, it's, you know, they're they're just, they're having a hard time. And our uh, our prayers are with everybody. Our, our thoughts are with everybody. And our appreciation is there for everybody. Uh, especially those front line top workers. So yes, yes. Josh, Josh is right on 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 point here. Uh, that you know, post traumatic uh, stress is going to be a very real part of our ministry over the next year or two. Yeah, I and, agree. And, and maybe even more. And let's see what's going on here. This is weird, but it. Oh, but yes. Yeah, so and and that's absolutely accurate. And, and that gets me thinking as we're talking about God's will for our lives and seeking godly input. One of the things that we wanted to make sure we discussed was that God gave us each other. Yeah. And during this time, COVID has taught us maybe the need for connections, but it also opened our eyes that maybe we weren't as connected as we thought we were. And it's we weren't meant to do life together. Going back to even Genesis, the beginning of creation, God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And he wasn't just talking about a marriage relationship. He wasn't just talking about man and woman living together. He was talking about companionship, yeah. friendships, being like, hey, if this dude is here forever and only gets to talk to animals, he's going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're saying we have to be patient with one another. We have to be, you know, I would just even say doing life together. Yeah. Well, that is part of God's will. But we've been taught so much, especially in Western civilization. Um, never, yeah, Western civilization. Out of, North, yeah, South, yeah, East, yeah, West. Yeah, well, that it's all about the individual. Yeah. It's all about you improving you and doing life yourself. But God never wanted it to be that uh, way. Uh, no, he didn't. And, and he didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm setting you up My for brain, something. It's just not... Yeah, we're afraid not there yet. That's all right. You know, one of the things that we have written down is the proverb, you know, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. If anyone could do life alone, it was Solomon. Yeah. Because he was smart. He had all this wealth. Because uh, he asked for wisdom. He was given wisdom. And he was given all this wealth because he didn't ask for stuff. So he had all this stuff. And here's what he said. He said, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. He said, hey, go to one another. Have Seek advice. Have relationships. If 
you don't seek guidance and there is no guidance and you try to do things by yourself, you're going to fail. Yeah. You're going to fail. What's up, Hump? So glad Hump's here. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I don't know why. You know, you're right. It is in our culture. I mean, even in, it's so ingrained in us that even in, uh, like, team sports, there's always an individual that's highlighted. You know, there's always that one guy that is the quote-unquote go-to. They get all of the credit. They get all of the praise. They get all of the, um, but, I mean, just being part of something, especially right now, Mm -hmm. it's just so important. Yeah, and like what Bruce is saying here, patient and kind with our spouse. And remember, it's more about them and less about self. And, yeah. that, and that's with our spouses. That's with our friendships. Uh, you know, that that's that's with, with everything. Yes, uh, Josh, COVID brain fog is real. I'm there, man. My allergies are all acted up this morning. I, I ran out of medicine last night. And I, I've, I've, I've got this tickle in my nose that I know I'm going to sneeze at any moment. And I'm trying not. Sneeze that way. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I've if got, he sees this got way, some, you might see a fight break yeah. out. <laughs> break it. No. Um, but yeah, so so what we want to really talk about today, though, is just, just this idea of as we seek God's will, and, and even though it's been a month since we've had our last conversation, that's kind of our running theme right now is, is trying to understand God's will for our life. And in that process, how important, why is it important, and how do we put those voices in our life that 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 help us move into positive more positive steps and relationships to God. So so let me ask you give give me a good story if you've got one of of a time in your life where like you were like it's gung ho I'm going to do this I'm going to make this work this is going to be great and because you did it by yourself you just flat failed. Oh man it it could be in ministry that happens a lot I think you have this grand idea of something that you want to succeed, but if you don't delegate and you do it all by yourself, you're going to spread yourself too thin. Yeah. And I think that's happened before. I don't have like a specific good example, but my first Jonathan never fails. Well, no, before we started, this is what Matthew said. And that's why Matthew's asking me. No, but um, I, I can remember my personality is very much a, gung-ho guy let's go and i've learned to slow down a little bit those of you who know me are saying oh if this is slowing down oh no but it's so easy sometimes especially when we get excited about something whether we get really passionate about something or whether we refuse to accept help because we don't want to look weak yeah we say i can do this and if we're leading something we'll take off and then turn around and be like, where did everybody go? They were never following in the first place. Yeah. And, and, and you weren't ever really leading. And, yeah, and I was never really leading. Uh, I had, I've had several jobs um, as a high schooler. I worked at a skating rink. I worked at a pizza place. Um, I worked with an elder who did, you know, construction stuff. I was basically a third hand. I'm not very talented when it comes to that kind of stuff. But he says, hold the board. I can hold a board. But watching how different people led. Um, Otto Bueller I worked with was the best leader I had, you know, best person I had to work under. Uh, but seeing all the different leadership styles, you realize, man, you're just, there's a difference between being a boss and, yeah. and, and being a counselor and being someone who just dictates. And, and as we're doing these things, it's easy for us when we get in those positions 
whether it's in a leadership position or it's just something you feel passionate about, if you don't take the time to surround yourselves with people, then then, then it's not going to work. Uh, one thing I've, I've I've talked about, and we, we took this from uh, Josh knows about this, the story conference, um, and there was a speaker there, and um, when not just a speaker, but even in our meetings before story, when we were meeting about preparing stuff, we had someone who worked with um, with Pixar, and we were talking, and they said the importance and why they succeed so much is they surround themselves with people who are smarter than they are. Yeah. And, and they don't have titles. They, there's a meeting they all come to when they evaluate the movie, and they say, hey, uh, we're taking off our hats. And producers are there, screenwriters are there, you know, the directors are there, but then you have like everyone's there, and you now there's still that boss guy in the room, but they attack the ideas. You don't attack the people, and that's why Pixar movies are so successful. That's why, but they all the other ideas might have failed, but you'll never see them. That's because they do life together. Yeah, and, and they and they understand the importance of input and community. And every time I failed in those in those instances, is when I refuse to accept advice, when I refuse to empower others, and say, I can do that, but just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah, I like what Hump says. Uh, yep, let's put Hump it, up it, on the it, board. It's an interesting. God wants us to be close to us, and, and I like that idea. That's you powerful, know, Hump. That is powerful. I like it. You know, God wants us to be close to us. Yeah, and and to have those relationships with each other, and so okay, so so let's talk about how do we how do we do this if we're wanting to live a life that's seeking God's will, okay? Uh, how do we then begin to condition ourselves to seek conversation, advice, input, relationships? You you could fill in any kind of one of those communal words right there. How, how do we begin to do that? It's going to sound really, really, really dumb. Not dumb, but just really simple. Just spend time together. You're not going to take advice from somebody that you don't have a relationship with. Um, there's a there's a quote that, that that I've heard and that I kind of try to operate by. I don't I'll do, always do a good job, but it's one of those don't take criticism from someone you want to take advice from. Don't take criticism from someone you want to take advice from. Because yeah. criticism is advice. It really is when you get down to it. and But that also means in order for me to take advice or criticism, I'm going to have to be open to that. And I'm not going to be open to somebody that just walks in and says, hey. No. If, and it might just be, hey, spend time just eating dinner. Getting to know each other. Getting to know each other. And, and that also requires to be vulnerable because the more you're with each other, eventually you're going to be like, they're going to get to know you more, and one day they're going to, they, they might even ask, hey, dude, you're off today. What's up? And then that's a moment when that happens, whether you notice someone's acting a little different because you've spent so much time together, or you're the one who's acting different because you're struggling, and they ask you, be open enough to either ask or to answer in those moments. Well, you talk about being vulnerable, and, and, and James talks about this in, in the Back end of James, he's talking about prayer, and he talks about confessing your sins to one another. And you know those type of relationships, those type of relationships that that we have to 
to be able to sit down with someone and, and not just seek advice, but to look at someone and say, hey, I need help. Yep. I've got this struggle. And, and I don't think confession is always about sin. Mm-mm. A struggle does not always equal sin. Of course not. Uh, but it takes some vulnerability to, to seek that input from other people. And it takes you saying, hey, you know what? I've got this struggle. I've got this problem. I've got this issue. And we have spent enough time together now that I feel comfortable being vulnerable with you. But James says that that is so important to that relationship. It's it's vital to having a relationship with God that we are vulnerable in relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, and, and, I, and I ask this to our teenagers, and we talk about opening up, being vulnerable, why we don't feel comfortable doing this or that. And when it comes to this this topic about, you know, God gave us each other. Use each other. Don't do life alone. Be vulnerable. You know, invest in each other. Open up to, to one another. Why do we hate being so vulnerable? And I think it really boils down to we're scared of being hurt. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about this in benevolence before. I think it was um, David Baker. David Baker. David Baker talked about, you know, they have the... We're burned by that small percentage of people that, that that are a part of a larger percentage of people that need our help. And that small percentage puts that bitter taste in our mouth. For everybody. For everyone if we're not careful. Yeah. And when it comes to opening up, and I'm not dismissing or diminishing the pain or the trauma of being hurt or betrayed, but everyone is not out to get us. Yeah. And that does mean we still have to treat being vulnerable with wisdom. Um, someone who's burned you before, you probably don't want to keep trusting them. But the person who's always been there for you might be that person that you run, you turn to in those times when you're saying, dude, this guy just betrayed me and I'm not feeling very secure right now. And instead of withdrawing and trying to find security with self, let's find security in God and the people he gave us. Well, and I think another another word there that you can use um, instead of vulnerability, because I think vulnerability carries a negative connotation in the idea of you're only vulnerable when something bad is happening, but intimacy. Intimacy, yeah. Um, and, and we yeah. look at intimacy as, a lot of times we look at intimacy only in the structure of like marriage, and we look at in intimacy. sexualized yeah. intimacy. But intimacy is, is, is just about... It's, I mean, at its core, it's about knowing each other. Being and, real. Yeah, and being real and being able to say, being able, like, you walk in the office one day, and without saying a word, I can look at you and go, what's wrong? Yeah. You know, and even though you're putting up this facade, you know, I, I can work with, I should be able to get to where I work with you long enough that, you know, you can make one statement that's off, and I'll be like, okay, what's wrong? Yeah. But we've spent that time, we've been vulnerable, we've been intimate. You know, we have that relationship, um, and, and that is so important. And um, without it, without it, I don't think we could, without those relationships, we can't truly seek the will of God. No. Um, that reminded me, there, and this is not to be like, toot, toot, my own horn or anything, but we were, um, I was in uh, Kentucky at the time, and I had the ability to, yeah, sure, do little mobile deposits for the physical paycheck that I got every single week, but I would 
go to the bank, and I didn't go until COVID. I didn't go through the drive-through, and I just went in. Um, I liked my bank tellers; they were friendly, they were nice. And over time, I developed a relationship, a friendship with with these individuals. We ended up, and uh, it I waited the uh, a long time, months, and then I. You know, found them on Facebook. We started like a little group chat. But there was one time one of the, the young ladies, uh, she was probably maybe two years out of high school. Um, something was off. And now, like I said, when I would go, it wouldn't be me going to deposit a check. I would stay there for like 30 minutes because they were a slow, you know, bank. Uh, when I would go, I would find a, a dead period to show up. And we would just visit. So I got to the point when I know them well enough, and I was like, something's off. And when I asked her, she kind of brushed it off. But I sent her a message and uh, wisely attached my wife to it, and um, and it ended up her dad was was getting treated for they thought he possibly had cancer and something was going rough, and then I was able to check in periodically. But it was one of those things that if I was just some dude who showed up to the bank for like five seconds, and then was like, "Are you okay? I look like a creep." Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, "I'm all good, but you need to leave now." And um, and and that showed me the importance of just spending time together. I like what Josh says. Josh and I have talked about this before. And this this thing is kind of being in- interesting, but uh, this is his personality. We've talked about the enneagram before, and this is one that gets brought up when we discuss some of these things. He says a lot of times being vulnerable is part of that ego thing, but he also says the other part for him is the fear that you're going to use my vulnerability as a tool of manipulation or control yeah. over me. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that control because if you know something intimate about me, that means you also have power power over me. And maybe that comes from that being, that being done before or knowing that, Hey, at any given moment, this person can betray my trust. Well, I was, I was watching a show the other day and they were talking about from an emotional idea and forgiveness that there is a difference in being hurt and to that point being betrayed. Yes. A lot of people are going to hurt you, but when someone betrays you, it is so much harder to find it within yourself to forgive. It is. Uh, which, which is why, you know, loving as God love is, is so important in this in this conversation. And, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, there, there's going to be people that do that to us. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, think, think, about, think about Judas and Peter. I, I 100% believe if Judas had responded the way Peter responded to what you could argue was betrayal both ways. Yeah. I mean, let's just be, let's just be real here. I, I believe Jesus would have said, welcome home. Yeah. What did, what did, what did you just do? He didn't just be like, I don't know the guy, which is still a pretty strong statement to make when you're his best friend, you know, when you're his closest three people, Peter, Andrew, James, you know, four people, but Judas brought an army to the garden and said, that's the guy. Yeah. That's him. And, and, and we're told to love as Jesus loved that. That's hard because now at the same time, I think there was still been some things where Jesus said, Hey, I forgive you, but this also is a different relationship now. And, and on, on earth, but it's one of those things where it's, it is hard to be real, but at the same time, don't let that small percentage of people staying hurt hurt the well the the body of Christ who God says 
use each other. I mean, if we're one body, we can't be going in multiple different directions and succeeding. It's like the three-legged race. What happens if you're not moving at the same gait or pace? Well, you're about ready to face plant on the floor. Yeah. And if one person wants to go left, one person wants to go right, you're going to face plant on the, the floor. Middle. Yeah. Um, this this idea leads kind of to the next thought. Yeah. Of of making sure that you are surrounding yourself with the right people. It's not yeah. just the idea of surrounding yourself with people, but to this point, you know, that there are going to obviously be people that is not going to be encouraging. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we got to make sure as we begin to open up ourselves to people and begin to include them into our lives that we, we, we surround ourselves with the right people. So what is your best piece of terrible advice? I was going to ask you this. You put me on the spot first. Just let you know who's running the show today. I see that. Since I don't have anything Since else have... productive to say, <laughs> nothing's coming to mind. Nothing's coming to mind. Well, I have that same brain fog, COVID fog thing. I can think of, and I don't remember actual necessarily specifics, but when I was little, you could, depending on who was, I was talking to, some older kids in the youth group, some kids who were in the youth group, and I was not quite in the youth group. But they could, they could tell me, hey, Jonathan, go do this. And I'd do it, whatever it was, for the, mo- for the most part. And, and it could be, you know, and something stu- stupid and embarrassing. It could be something totally dumb. It could be something I wasn't supposed to be doing. And they'd be like, hey, hey, go do this. It'll be really funny. They're like, oh, okay. You know, because I wanted them to like me. I'll do what it takes. And, and that gets us in, in terrible advice. It's one of those things of like stealing candy from a baby. We, that, that, that kind of comes to mind immediately when I think of terrible advice. Although the, I'm going to flip it around. And maybe not terrible advice I've received, but terrible advice I've given. Oh, that's, been, that, that, that's a whole lot easier. Um, I can remember um, my sister was maybe two years old. And this was something that I didn't tell my parents until I had believe I was already out of college and my sister was graduating college. So this is something I kept a secret for like 16 years. And um, confession, guys. It, confession oh, oh, I confessed to my parents and they were and they were they were blown. My sister remembered it, so it made it even better. But she was two years, she claims she remembered it. She was two years old, and I went to her room. And I opened her bottom drawer of her dresser. And I said, hey, Jessica, come do this. And I brought her and grabbed the clothes and started throwing them over my shoulder like this. And I said, come do this real quick. And she came and she began to throw her clothes over her shoulder. I left her room and went, mom, dad. And I said, go look what Jessica's doing. And she got spanked the next day. I did it again. And she did it again. And she got spanked again. And I only did it twice, but then 16 years later, I said, by the way, guys, y'all remember this? Because this was totally my idea. And I can't believe you fell for it twice, Jessica. But she was two years old. And, you know, so it's one of those things of bad advice is easy. We have to be careful not to give bad advice and to give godly advice. But we also have to be careful, and I'm not saying two-year-old Jessica should have known the difference. But as we mature in our faith, People are going to tell us to do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it might seem fun 
I mean, throwing clothes over your shoulder is pretty fun to a two-year-old. Let's just be real. But as we get older, there's a lot of other things that are a lot more serious and damaging to our soul that are fun and that we can be easily convinced to do if we don't listen to the right advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my, my negative advice was not near as bad as yours. No, Whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I love to eat. I love going to trying new places. And I had a friend. We've all had this experience, I think. I had this friend that I trust his, like, eating advice very much. But he was like, you need to go try this Italian restaurant. Dude, it was the worst food I'd ever had. <laughs> worst food I'd ever had. And I was so disappointed. And I think that's something that when you trust someone and, and they've given you a lot of good advice, then all of a sudden they give you bad advice, it's almost like ultra disappointing. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like a restaurant. But um but I think there's forgiveness in that as well. Uh that we have to have to be aware of. Yeah. I like what Josh says. So Josh, for those of you who don't know Josh, uh Josh used to be um in the car business and uh then he decided that he would change his life. No, I'm just kidding. He would change he decided he wanted to go into ministry. And uh he said, Someone told me that I didn't have to take a pay cut to go into ministry. So I expected a church to pay a guy with no education and no experience a king's ransom, so I didn't have to sacrifice any of my lifestyle. And, and, and so, so that you know that that's some bad advice. Uh, I like what, what Bruce said here. He said COVID has a devastating effect on our spiritual and physical life because of the separation effect and not being able to be together to worship, fellowship, eat, visit, you know, really just everything. And, and um, that that's so true. And Bad advice would be, man, this this being alone is is better. Yeah, being virtual is better. I'm not saying being virtual is a sin, or that it doesn't have its time and place. But being virtual is better is really lacks what God intended, especially yeah. when it comes to man. Communion is supposed to be sharing and breaking bread together. Singing is is. And this, this might be, you might, people might get mad at me for saying this, but I believe it's just as much as about praising God as about edifying one another. Uh, it's both. We can't not say singing is just praise to God, but it's not edifying to one another. And we can't say it's just about edifying one another because it's also praise to God. And that togetherness is so important. Yeah. But I, I know we're thinking of, uh, one thing was the, when we were when we were thinking of terrible advice, we thought of the First Kings twelve passage. Yeah, and um, from Rehoboam. From Rehoboam, and, and that and I think that that's an interesting thing because Rehoboam has become king, and, and the people of Israel. This is just the Matthew paraphrase here. Have said, <laughs> um, "Hey, look, we want you to lighten some things up on us. Yeah. Like, we want you to take it easy on us for a little while." And 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 then, but he takes his advice from. His best friends. Basically. We have no experience. Again, no, experience, no, experience, no experience, no education. Yeah. <laughs> so he, they're taking advice from Josh's friends, whoever they were. And uh, <laughs> and so he like makes things harder on them. And it just, it really ruins his opportunity to be this, this good king. Um, you've heard us talk about, you've heard us talk about discipleship quite a bit through this mm-hmm. conversation. And one of the first conversations we had about discipleship, we talked about, this idea of ABC discipleship mm-hmm. um, of someone above you, beside you, and, and your caboose, someone behind you that you're there above. But 
there are times in our life that that structure is so important because your aboves are vital to this seeking the right voice, listening mm -hmm. to the right voice. So it would it would be like you know, um, I'm teaching I'm teaching on Wednesday nights a class of all of our youth group parents. And I, I'm thinking about what to go in there and talk about. But like the last thing that I need to go in there and talk about is how to raise your teenager. Because I've never raised a teenager. I have no, Now, in 18 years after I've raised four of them, <laughs> I can teach that class maybe all day long. Um, I will raise more teenagers than most people will raise. But, besides all the youth ministers. Besides all, yeah, besides all the youth ministers. <laughs> but so it, it's so important for us to like like we've got written down in our notes here listen to the right voices and that discipleship structure will lead lead to those right conversations um but you know there there are there are going to be times in my ministry i had I'll, I'll tell you a story i won't mention any names um i mean this is a pretty serious story but uh we had a young man in our church that had gotten his girlfriend pregnant and the parents of the young man offered to pay for an abortion for this young lady. She didn't accept it, but it got out that this was what was going on. And they were a very prominent family in our church. And I called a, uh, a good friend of mine and, and talked to him about this. And this was, I mean, 10 years ago, and and his advice was he's like look he's like you you've got to demand repentance out of this guy out of this this mom and dad, and he goes I mean if you have to bang on the table to get them to listen to you, you need to, and I mean I, like I'm, I'm fired up like I'm like hey, yeah okay let's go let's go let's 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 drag these people up front and stone them and condemn you know make them repent and that was his and we were kind of in the same place in ministry and in our life and in our age, and so I had an elders meeting the next night, and I'm 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 coming in fired up. You know, and and here are these aboves, if you men that have lived life and, and are wise, much more wise than I was, and they're like, no, we're going to be patient. We're going to love this family. We're going to minister to this family. We're we're going to encourage this family, and three or four weeks later, after this all came out. This whole family responds one Sunday as a family unit. Not because they were drugged down the aisle. Mm -hmm. Not because they were browbeat. But because our elders had loved them. They shepherded them. And shepherded them. And and so, to the, you know, so these listening to the right voices. If I had just listened to my besides, if I had listened to, if I'd taken the Rehoboam approach, listened to my people, my age group, guys, but I would have knocked on that door, and I probably would have run that family off. It it, it reminds me of Lord of the Flies. Uh -huh. I mean, when when you when you leave children, and I'm going to say that too. When we don't surround ourselves with people who are older, wiser, maybe even smarter, and smarter could even be younger than us, depending on our age. Let's just putting that out there. When you leave immaturity, and section them off to say, "Okay, raise yourself," what's going to happen? <coughs> craziness, chaos, and our culture almost thrives on, I would even say almost too, too much separation. 
we're really the only culture that doesn't value elder advice, older yeah. advice in the world. And, and that's not a criticism. It is a criticism, it, but it's, it's so easy to, when I'm looking for advice, to seek after advice that I know will agree with me. Yeah. My guess is in that situation, you were already wanting to do that anyway. Probably a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you're like, oh, hey, he agrees that I should do this. I'm not crazy. I can do it. Well, I can find a lot of crazy that agrees with my crazy because I know where to find it. Yeah. But the times I've grown the most has been, now there are times when we can even go and get advice that we don't agree with. That's also bad advice. But finding trusted people who can call us out and say no is important. Uh, and that, again, goes back to the first point, spending time with one another, yeah. those relationships. There are a few people, and that's just the way it works, but there are a few people that could that could pull me aside and say, Jonathan, you're being an idiot right now. And I would say, huh, you're right, okay. There are other people that could pull me aside and say, Jonathan, you're being an idiot right now, that I would say, well, you're an idiot too, and walk off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because of who I respect, but those people, we need people in our lives who can give us advice that we don't like and that we okay. don't want. Because sometimes that advice is the advice we need the most. But that means we have to be also willing to take that advice and say, is their advice, does it agree with... Is it just tickling my ear? Well, that, or but or it, does it agree it, with God? Yeah. They could get, there's advice that I might not want to hear or that I might like, one of the two, that also is anti-biblical or anti-godliness. And if I'm not careful, I'll listen to those voices yeah. above God's voice. And so that, that leads us kind of to our closing thought here. And, and it's this idea of what am I trying to accomplish? In, in, our, in our conversation today, we called it a couple of things. We called it focusing on God's plan. We, we called it don't let God, don't, let's see, uh, don't leave God out of the plan. Um, I, I don't like that anymore. No, it's after so, our conversation. So I in, in the two classes that I've taught the last two weeks on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, uh, I, I've taught from this from this verse of First Timothy four verse seven it says have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, which is <laughs> that negative advice. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Yeah, and and that word godly, we we've, we've really talked about that in our classes. Because you, you ask the question in the class, what does it mean to be godly? The first person is going to say, well, it means to be like God. You know? It means to be like Jesus. Yeah, it's, okay. But what it, what it really means, what it really means is to naturally express yourself in the way of God. And I love that phrase, naturally. Yeah. That it just becomes, God becomes part of who you are, who you are and your responses are naturally Godly responses. And when you're filling your life with the right voices, when you're filling your life with the right relationships, that is only going to add to that natural buildup of God in your life. And, and our, our goal is to get to where we're godly, yeah. to get to where out. Now, our reactions are not always going to naturally be yeah. of God. That's just human nature. And that's where grace and love and forgiveness play such a huge role. But we're trying to walk to a place in our life where we naturally express ourselves in the way of God. And, and that's true both ways. Whether we're surrounding ourselves with a bad environment 
that becomes more naturally who we yeah, are. Yeah. And then our a godly environment, but that takes time. Uh, I can remember this was, um, and people can feel how they want to feel. Um, but I was hanging out with maybe, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of friends in high school, but I found a group that uh, are like one or two people that I actually could stand. But that you could stand, or that could stand you. Um, we're just gonna we're just gonna go with I could stand. And um, but humor has always been one of my dangerous areas because humor can get me in trouble. Uh, whether it's inappropriate humor, whether it's you know bad timed humor. But there was a time, and uh, some of my favorite jokes were some inappropriate jokes, you know, which is, you know, the, the, that's what she said jokes. If you know, you know. And um, some of you may be like, well, that's not that bad. But depending on where it is, it can get pretty pretty raunchy. There was a time it, it got so natural that they didn't even have to finish. They weren't even finished their last word of their sentence. I'm like, that's what she said. I mean, it was like this. Every day, every conversation. And... There was a time where it slipped down in front of my mom one time. She said something. And went, Whoops. Because it was natural. Yeah. It became what I did. And it became so natural that I forgot the environment I was around. Yeah. And then at that moment, I was like, oh. Well, I had a very similar. <laughs> Oops. I had a very similar kind of thing that I struggled with. And I'm a very sarcastic person. Yeah. Um, and, and my sarcasm really had grown to a place that I was really using it as a wall to keep people from getting close to me. That's a whole other conversation. Well, sarcasm is a natural defense against yeah. stupid. So, and I mean... so I was, I was, I was in the <laughs> office one day and the, the youth minister I was working with was a very sarcastic individual anyway, as well. And we were back and forth. I mean, we wouldn't even leave our desk, but we would just jab at each other across the hallway all day long. And he was in the secretary's office and they had said something and I could hear it. And, and, like the smart aleck comments just kept coming. And I had gotten up to walk, to go down there to say something. And the secretary goes, I am shocked that Matthew hadn't walked in here and had something smart aleck to say at this moment. <laughs> and it hit me that as natural as it had become, it had become a bad natural. Yeah. And, and, and I really made it. And my wife has helped me with this in a long way. I had it's to amazing make, how that works. Yeah. I had to make, <laughs> I, ha I had to make a conscious effort to, to, to take this what this negative, natural sarcasm. Not that sarcasm can't be funny and can't be used in, 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 you know, in, in good and fun ways and conversations. But I had to find a way for God to become the natural response in those moments. And, and it's harder to then undo and then redo than yeah. it is just to do in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, Psalm 127 says in verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And we can be doing all these other things and be enjoying life, you know, doing whatever. But at some point, that natural whatever that we're producing, if it's bad, we're doing that in vain. Yeah. And then let's just say the person... The Lord's not building the house, and these people are building it, are building in vain. We're talking about life here, and at some point, it might require demolition yeah. to then build according to the to to the way God designed. Let's think of the ark. If you know, God said, "Hey Noah, here's the exact dimensions I want you to build. 
And Noah, for the first few years, was like, I'm doing my own boat. Eventually, if when he when if if let's just say Noah did that, and then he realized oh, I need to do it God's way. He can't just start with what he has. He has to tear the boat apart and start all over again. But in in, in that in this same vein of this discussion, when I get to that point that I realize I've got to tear down so God can naturally become part of me, those people that I surround myself that love me and that I'm intimate with and that I'm vulnerable with and I can trust, they are going to be such a help. Yes. In that process, I don't, I cannot rebuild alone. No. No, and, and, and like I said. When I helped that guy build some stuff or do some construction stuff, I was his third hand. The first time he asked me to help, he goes, I just can't do it by myself. And I went, what do you mean? He goes, well, you see when we get there. And he was building a shed. He needed someone to hold something on the inside while he screwed in from the outside of the shed. He goes, you see why I can't be in two places at once now? I went, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I get it now. That's the same way with life. We need people to help us because we can't do it all. But we also need to make sure, and we've kind of been beating around the bush here, that it's not my plan. Yeah. It's not my house. I like this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, not your house, not a house, it's the house. Well, and Paul Unless makes... he builds the house, it's his house, it's his plan. So we have to make God's plan our plan. We can't make our plan God's plan. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, the first couple of chapters. He said, look, God is the master builder, has already come over and laid the foundation. Yeah. Now you're going to be judged on what you build on that foundation. Yes. Are you going to build something of God's plan? Yeah. Or are you going to build something of your own? And, yeah. and and I misspoke there. It was our plan has to become God's plan. We can't make our yeah. plan God's plan. There we go. <laughs> we're, I keep, we're, Still whatever not sure it is. If he said it right. I'm not saying it right, but basically we can't force God to do our, our way. There we go. That's the easier way to say it. Uh, my notes are all jibber jabber. Yeah, they are. Good conversation today. Absolutely. Uh, well, hey, we're, we're glad you're here, Bruce, uh, Hump, uh, Josh. Thanks your for comments. enjoy your comments. I think we got everybody. Looks like we did. Let me let me encourage everybody. Hey, look as as you watch us and let's do a share our videos. Yes. Uh, go to however you enjoy getting your audio podcast. Like, um, we'll try to get those uploaded. Like and subscribe <laughs> uh, to this podcast. Uh, and not just to this podcast, but I was looking through it the other day. Uh, go to the Ministry League website. There's all kinds of podcasts. Uh, there are some great podcasts on there if you're looking for scripture stuff. Uh, we need to do maybe an episode where we let you talk about the Ministry League a little bit. We can we do talk that about how it is, you know, this is partly sponsored by, by the Ministry League. And a lot of people are like, well, what yeah. is that? And there's a lot of good things. I know a, a friend of mine uh, and, and their uh, Austin Johnson's podcast okay. has just been added. Awesome. Uh, to that list. And- awesome. And then we got um, the Batify podcast that has um, some friends of mine. They're in Florence. Um, they do a lot of things about healthy living and some psychology stuff. Um, another good one, you have the John and Paul show. That one's uh, always good to do. Lonnie Jones has one, Keeping Up with the Joneses. He's on, the, on, on our, our network of podcasts. Maybe we need to do a we crossover got- podcast. Oh, that would be fun. Have some of these guys come on and... Oh, we could do that. And do some crossover stuff when we finish this. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, but but go and find our podcast. We're on on all the major podcast uh, platforms. Like us, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, help us grow our audience. Absolutely. Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us. Again, we're brought to you by Ministry League and Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We'll see you guys next time.